Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know that the heavens and the earth are yours and everything in them. You laid the foundations of your creation and established all that is seen and even things we cannot see. Once again, we see the power and the precision of the beauty of your work as we live in this beautiful community that is St. John's County. Father God, thank you for the gift of life. Help us to relish each day. Help us to sense that you're really here this morning close by us. Merciful God, with simple reflection, I quickly count all the ways that I miss the mark. And as a church, we miss the mark. We're not as holy as you're holy. So we confess to you our sins. And at the same time, we pray for the spirit of Christ to change us. Lord, clear our minds of impure thoughts. Tame our hurtful tongues. Remind us that in Christ we are no longer condemned. We praise you for that. That through our faith in you, we are set free. So make us a people who are joyfully forgiven. And joyfully forgive those who sin against us. Father, at times this world can seem truly chaotic and disturbing. So we pray that the hope that we have in you of returning and restoring all things. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, until you return, help us to live unafraid. Help us to be confident in your plan because that's where our true joy can be found. Father, your son is the light of the world so that we as followers may shine with that same radiant glory that you may be known and worship and obeyed to all the ends of the earth. We pray this in your name, amen. We've been going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism pretty much every week, every once in a while, we skip a week. But the Westminster Shorter Catechism is a great book of theological truths that our church fathers put together to organize theological thoughts, and uh, it's based in Scripture. And so the question that we're looking at today is question number 33, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the service too. What is justification? Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sin and accepts us as righteous in his sight. For only the righteous of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Man, what a great truth that is. Our purpose is going to come up on the screen. If you would say this purpose with me, it's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community. And this week, we're looking at bearing fruit, that Jesus invites us to bear fruit. So this morning, we're going to bear some fruit to you. we got some guys coming down the aisle here to just give you some fresh fruit. And this is some of my favorite times in life. I remember growing up in New Hampshire, and I remember going to the apple trees. Anybody want to find out? Find out. There we go. Who wants a watermelon? Here you go, John. All right, all right, fine. Here you go. Catch it. There you go. If you don't want your fruit, just give it to your neighbor. Don't throw it at me, okay? This is not an invitation. But I love growing up in New Hampshire. In the fall, we'd go and we'd pick apples. And it was just one of those things. The, the fruit was ripe and ready. And we picked blueberries here in Florida, and that's always a fun time to do. And then, you know, just having a nice cold watermelon on a hot day, it's the best, Right? And so this morning, we're looking at what it means to, to bear fruit spiritually. 
And if you were an expert at looking at trees, you could probably tell by the bark which tree is which. But most of us, we can't tell which tree is which until it starts bearing fruit. I mean, everyone in here knows that this is a... And this is a... Yes, very good. You're awake this morning. That's good. There are, there are differences, right? And spiritually speaking, we're called as believers in Christ to bear fruit. Bear things that are refreshing, that are nourishing. And the only way we can do that is by Jesus working in and through us. And the pressure really is off to bear fruit, as you'll see this morning, because it really is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You guys don't have to go home. You have to be leaving here this morning going, oh, God, Andy told me I have to bear fruit. i got to bear fruit now. There's so much pressure, and all these things in my life are messed up, and how am I going to do this? And I can hardly even keep my family and my life together. How am I going to bear fruit? Listen, the, the, the pressure's off because it's only the power of God working in our life that we could ever think about bearing fruit in our own families, in our own uh, communities. And so this passage that I'm going to read comes shortly after Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He's, he's serving uh, the ones that are coming alongside him, that are going to be the ones that, that are the first disciple makers, the first ones to go out. He's serving them, and he predicts his betrayal and death, and he tells them that he's going to go away and that the Holy Spirit can come. And so you can imagine all the early disciples who have been following him for now for almost three and a half years. And they've seen all the things that he've done. And I call them many times knuckleheads because that's exactly what they were because they still didn't understand. They still thought that he was going to be a king that was going to rule over their nation physically as a king and a kingdom would in their minds. But Jesus had much greater plans that he was going to rule over them as prophet, as priest, as king for all times to come. And they weren't prepared for that. And so when Jesus talked about leaving and that they were going to be the ones that bear fruit, it was a scary thing for them because they had always counted on him in the physical to provide for them. And so here they are being told that he's going to go away. And so this is where we pick up the story here in John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can look up on the screen. I really encourage you to bring your Bibles. If you, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one right outside the doors. Uh, you can get one there as our gift to you. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. You can look up on the screen and follow along. This is John chapter 15. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot uh, bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and, dry, and dries up, and they, they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned." If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all the things that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This command, this this, this I command you, that you love one another. There's a lot going on there, and we're gonna break it down and look at it and what it means to, to bear fruit. As we've been going through the four-chair discipleship, and if, if you've missed some weeks or this is your first week here, we're gonna do a quick review. If you've been here all four weeks, you should have this by now. But we believe that a disciple is someone who is a follower of Jesus, who loves Jesus, loves one another, and loves the lost. And we see throughout John 15, we see the different relationships and the key terms that come up in those relationships. We see, as I was reading that that scripture there, that the believer needs to love Jesus, that we need to abide in him. And we're going to talk mostly about that this morning, that we need to be connected to him. We need to love him. We need to love Jesus if we're going to be a follower of him. And then we see a different uh, relationship. We see a relationship with the believer, That's one another. That's our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you see what the term there is that we see the most in Scripture. It's love. We're called to love one another as Christ loved us. And then the next relationship or the final relationship that we see in John 15 is that we're supposed to love the world. And you'll see the key term in that eight times in ten verses in John 15. The the word is hate that the world will hate us, that the world will be against us, that the world will not be excited that we're following after Jesus, but the way that we're supposed to respond to a people that are deeply hurting, that are filled with hate, is to respond in love. And that's a difficult thing to do. And that's why we gather together on Sunday mornings. That's why we gather in small group and encourage one another to reach out to those who desperately need it. In Matthew 28, we're called to make disciples and we've used these four chairs as an example of what it is in Scripture that we're called to do. In the four chairs, there are different phases, different stages that we see how Jesus tells us to make disciples. First, we start with come and see. And many of you are here this morning in the come and see chair, that you're not believers in Christ. You're just coming and checking it out, and we're so glad that you're here. The Greek phrase come and see actually means just to come and check it out, come and rest. And that's what we want you to desperately do here at Good News. Just rest, enjoy yourself, come and see who Jesus is. Then the second uh, chair, many of you are here, is when you've taken a step to follow after Jesus. That you've made a decision. You've let the Holy Spirit work in your life, and now you're following after Christ. That your faith adventure begins here because you've gone from come and see to follow me. Then last week we looked at what it means to become fishers of men, that you've taken a step out of just following Jesus, and now you want to be a worker for him. That doesn't mean that uh, you're trying to work your way to heaven. No, your salvation is already secure in Christ by him justifying you, by him adopting you, by him sanctifying you. But this is the work of of the worker of Christ that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to fish for men, that we're supposed to be involved in the work of the church. We're supposed to use our spiritual gifts for his glory. And today we're talking about bearing much fruit. And this is where we want all believers, this is where Jesus calls us to spend the most time in, in this chair. 
that we be using his gifts, his gifts for his glory, and that we would be disciples that make disciples that make disciples, and that we would bear much fruit throughout our life, and we get to see more and more people come to know Jesus and come uh, to, to hear the good news of Christ. And, and sometimes that can be really scary. And believe me, for, for the leadership of the church, it can be scary. For the staff, for the, for the elders, because if we're busy in just church activities and doing just lots of churchy things, then the evil one doesn't really care about that. But when we're making disciples that make disciples, believe me, the evil one cares about that. And there's going to be opposition. And, and I don't want to give the evil one too much credit, but there is real spiritual warfare. I see it all the time in the lives of you. I see it in my own life. And we believe that it's so vital, just as the disciples recognize, that we count on the power of the Holy Spirit. Because these believers, these early believers, these early followers, as they were becoming fishers of men, and as they were going to bear much fruit, they really believed that they were going to have Jesus by their side for a lot longer than they did. Even though he told them over and over and over that he was going to die, he was going to leave. And so here we see the disciples just being told, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to die as Jesus is predicting his death. And here they are afraid. Here they are scared to take that next step, to bear much fruit. But Jesus comforts them. He says that he's still going to lead as a king. And part of his plan for us was him to go to heaven and let them be the ones that go out and share the gospel and reach and transform people and that he is going to come again and restore all things. Secondly, he, he promised that he would, they wouldn't have to do it on their own, that they would, he would give the power of the Holy Spirit. He actually said, it's better for me to go. We're actually in a better spot in our lives that Jesus isn't here with us physically because he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So remember, we looked at that a few weeks ago, that the power of the Spirit is Jesus walking alongside us, God walking alongside us. God work, working in us to give us guidance as we go through our life. And then third, he gave the disciples his word that, that they would be confident that they could obey him. And if they obeyed him, that he would continue to work in their lives. And the times that they didn't obey, that they could be forgiven and showered with his love. And that's why we're getting early on in the message to our action step, because it's so vital to bearing fruit. And the action step is abide. Now, that's not a word we use a whole lot. When I'm going around meeting with people, I don't hear a whole lot of people say that word, abide. So what does that mean to abide in him? We saw it many times in the scripture that I read earlier. What does it mean? It means to not depart. It means to sojourn, which means to like stay in for the adventure. It means to remain in him, to be held and kept. And I kind of think of it as a joey and a kangaroo that... This is us abiding in Christ, that we're along for the ride, that we're, we're abiding in him. The only difference is as Joey gets older, then he comes out of the pouches on his own. For us, that, that doesn't happen. Even as we mature in our faith, we realize even more then how much we need to be in the pouch, how much more we need to follow after Christ, how much more we need to abide in him. So as I read the first few verses again, See how that's true through here. I'm the true vine, and my father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. 
you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And as they, get, and they gather them and cast them in the fire, and they burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So we see that relationship of us being connected to Christ. And that original language of vine and vine dresser came from the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel as they were talking about the great nation of Israel. That was the first time that vine and vine dresser was used because that nation of Israel was supposed to be the one that was supposed to be the shining light, the shining tree that was bearing fruit in the middle of the promised land, in the middle of the desert. They were supposed to go out. They were supposed to proclaim uh, the Lord to all the unbelievers around them. Did they do that? Did they do that? Yeah, well, they had some success with it. They, they did it sometimes, but then other times they f- fell away, and then they would fall after the Lord, and then they would fall away, and then they would fall after the Lord, and they would fall away. This pattern of sin in the nation of Israel, and so Jesus comes and says, listen, we're not going to have that pattern of back and forth. I'm going to be uh, the true vine. I'm going to be the one that gives you life. I'm going to be the one that allows you to bear fruit. We don't have to have this back and forth, even though for us as followers, we have some of that, don't we? I know in my life there are seasons where I'm following after Jesus closely, and then there are seasons where my sinfulness will come out, and, and, I'll, and I'll forget to really be connected to the vine, and those are times where you really dry up Spiritually, And so as a church, if we're going to be in chair four, as Scripture uh, describes, as bearing much fruit, we have to abide in him. We have to be connected to him. We have to sojourn in him. We have to be along for the adventure in him if we're going to bear much fruit. And and don't you want to bear fruit? I mean, who wants to be the dry tree that bears no fruit? It's such an amazing thing to see you bear fruit. What a, an amazing thing for, it, for me as a pastor to see a congregation that often will be abiding in Christ and bearing fruit. And it's a beautiful and wonderful and amazing thing. This, this term of abiding him can sometimes feel like, wow, it's really difficult to follow after Jesus all the time. But he's the one that's allowing us to abide in him. He's the one that's giving us the grace, the mercy, in order to abide in him. And I love how when we talk about abiding, really the first step is counting on Jesus. And when we count on Jesus, that means we're counting on love in our life. That means when we're following after him, when we're making disciples, the first ingredient is following after the power of the Spirit and then abiding in him with his love. That, that term abiding is so powerful because when we abide in him, we find our identity in him. It's not in ourselves anymore. And I think about all the ways that, that I fall short, all the personality flaws that drive me crazy about myself, and maybe you have some of those things about yourself. But when we abide in Christ, we get a new identity. We get to have his identity. All the benefits that flow unto him now flow unto us because we're connected to him. 
When I was uh, in, in New York City for the, the game show match game, I, I wore this shirt on purpose, you recognize that. A Hollywood person said this shirt looks really good, so there we go. Uh, this girl, Ramona, she was talking so much trash to me before the game. It was unbelievable. She's like, I've watched every episode of Mesh Game. There's no way you're going to win. I'm going to take you down. You're going to score no points. <laughs> it was great to beat her. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Anyway, that was an aside. To get into the studio, it was crazy because at the front of the ABC studios, there was a bunch of armed security guards. You can't just walk into ABC Studios and say, hey, I want to go be on the game show. No. We had to wait in this little waiting area, and then one of the directors came and took us past all the security guards because he had the privileges. He had all the things that allowed him to get past all of the armed guards and all the securities and all the locked doors. And were we the director of the show? No, we weren't. But because we were with him, we got all the benefits of going backstage and getting on the stage and meeting different people because we were with that director. And that's what it's like being in Christ. That's what it's like abiding in Christ, is that when we abide in him, we get all of his benefits. And so as we're thinking about people in our life that we want to reach, people that we want to transform, people that we want to make disciples, we don't do that on our own. We do that by abiding in in Jesus. And the first step in that is putting our faith in him. See, in Romans 3.23, it says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us has fallen short. Each one of us has, has, has done things against God. Each one of us has done things against our, our, our people that are around us, whether it be in our family, our, our community, or our coworkers. We've all done things that have not honored God. And and that's why it's so important that we put our faith and trust in Christ. That we go from come and see to follow me because just like that shorter catechism question that I read at the beginning, if we put our faith and trust in him, we get to be justified. Will you put that question back up? Let me read that again. I know there's some theological words in there, but they're really good. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all of our sins. I mean, isn't that awesome? All the ways that we've done things wrong, all the ways we go against him, every stray thought, every stray word, he pardons all that and accepts us as righteousness in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, the righteousness that was given to us, the righteousness that was put on us and received by faith alone. And that isn't where it ends. See, on our own, we're in our sin, but in Christ, we're justified and we're adopted. Adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we're received into the number and have all the rights and privileges of the sons of God. Do you realize how great that is? That we've gone from being dirty, messy sinners to having all the rights of sons and daughters of the king. But it doesn't end there. There's, there's even more good news. Because the next question, remember, all these questions are, are based in scripture, but they're organized together. What is sanctification? This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we try to make disciples. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we're renewed in the whole man after the image of God and able more and more to die into sin and to live unto righteousness. So you put all those things together when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and know that you can have eternal life and all these benefits the benefits into this life which accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are assurance of God's love, 
You want that? Assurance of God's love. I mean, what an amazing thing that is. Peace of conscience. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Increase of grace and perseverance therein to the end. I mean, what great benefits there are in following after Christ, that we get grace and we get joy and we know that we are his to the end. We don't have to worry that if we do something wrong uh, after we accept Christ, that he's gonna throw us aside, that he's gonna cast us aside. And, and many people, when you, when you read at first verse six, it seems like that's happening. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And many people have said, well, look, that's, that's a scripture that says that there isn't perseverance of the saints, that, that you have to worry about losing your salvation. But all throughout scripture, we see that that is not the case, that once we are saved, once we put our faith in Christ, that he will never uh, leave us, he'll never forsake us. In John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So have you ever put your faith in Christ? Maybe you're here this morning in the first chair. You're coming and seeing, and you have that burden of sin on your life like I had for 21 years of my life. Isn't it time to get rid of that weight, to stop carrying that around, to give that to Jesus and realize that you can be forgiven to him that you can be loved by him, that you can have great joy, that you can have peace of conscience, that you can have eternal life. If you like to do that, you can pray right in your seat and you just say, God, I know that I messed up and I wanna make you savior and Lord of my life. If you wanna help with that, come and see the prayer team, come and see with me after the service. We'd love to help you know Jesus and start to abide in him. As we continue looking through the rest of the scripture, I know many of you have put your faith in him and many of you have, are, are following him. You're in chair two, but if you stay in chair two too long, because, because chair two is about you. It's about you growing in your faith. And if you stay here too long, eventually you will get bitter because it'll be about all things and all people and your whole church serving you. But that's not what the Christian life is about. Christian life is about serving others and fishing for men and helping them grow in their faith and bearing much fruit. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. When we abide in his love, when we stay in his love, then we can't help but give that to others. And that's really the first step of making disciples that make disciples. It's loving Jesus the way that he loves us. And when you start making disciples, it's the most joyful thing outside of accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. It's the most joyful and wonderful thing because you start seeing people that you've invested in now making a difference in the world and and I can't wait to see thousands of people on both campuses doing that. Because the joy that I've experienced through the power of the Spirit, investing in others, that then invested in others, it's amazing. This week I had lunch with uh, one of my favorite people, Steve Meehan, and he's uh, the president of Time for Change Movement. And we spent many, 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 many meetings together going through scripture, 
praying for him, helping him grow in his faith. And it was nothing that I did. It was only by the power of the Spirit that he continued to grow in his faith. And now he's leading this organization, a Time for Change movement, that is reaching out to the, to the lost and to the least of these, that he's providing physical needs for, for homeless here around uh, St. John's County and Duval County and then around the world. He's helping them get jobs. He's helping them uh, get on the right track. And, and most importantly, he's introducing them to Jesus. But it gives me so much joy that the disciple that I helped make is now making disciples all over the place. And each and every one of us can do that. When we abide in Christ, he allows us to do that. And there'll be great joy from that. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The original Greek word about, of joy means how you feel at a wedding feast. And I remember exactly how I felt at my wedding. I got a, got a picture here of a much younger me. I remember how I felt. It was amazing. This girl that was way out of my league actually married me. She did it. It was the most amazing feeling. It was so joyful. And when we make disciples, that's the feeling that we make. And I know I know for some of you right now, whether you're physically hurting or emotionally hurting or you're in relationships that are really difficult or you're going through a time right now at your work or at school that you just feel like you're in the weeds and you feel like making disciples. I mean, that's the last thing I could possibly think about doing right now. I mean, my world is a wreck. My world is tough right now. If that's you, I just want you to know that the Lord wants you to have joy. And the first step of having joy is abiding in him. And so if that means you're stuck in a hospital bed, then, then abide in him there and, and get to know him more and read God's word more and get to, get to know what his heart is. And if you're in the midst of tough, difficult times, take some time away and spend some time in him. Be connected to the true vine because he's the one that will give you joy in the midst of sorrow that joy like a wedding feast. Final few verses here. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I love you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that you've heard from my father, I have made no to you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're God's friend. Turn to someone right now and say, I'm God's friend. Do it. Say, I'm God's friend. Yeah. I'm God's friend. It's an awesome thing to be God's friend. I mean, we were once, we were once called slaves. We were once in bondage of our sin, but now he draws us close to him, and we get to be friends with the most powerful God in the entire world, in the entire universe, for all creation, the omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty God. He calls you friend. What an amazing thing that is. I mean, no matter what you're going through, that has to brighten your day a little bit, right? That he calls you friend. And you get all the benefits of that. And when you're a friend of God, you don't have to worry about being accepted. You know when you have true friendship? When you know that the people that you're friends with really 
you can trust and they trust you and they like you, you don't have to worry about them liking you. You just have a true friendship. I have a few people like that in my life and I tell them they have refrigerator rights in my life. That means they can come to my house anytime. They don't have to ask me to go get something in the refrigerator. If they want something, they just get it. But I trust them, I love them. They have refrigerator rights in my life. We have refrigerator rights with God. Awesome. It's amazing that we're that close to an all-powerful and amazing God that we can bring all of our things to him. And he hears our prayer and he answers. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that fruit would remain. So whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. After putting my faith in Christ and following after him and bearing uh, much fruit for 17 years, I don't come to God wondering if I'm accepted by him anymore. I don't come to him wondering how he's gonna forgive me for the ways that I do things wrong. I don't come to him nervous and afraid that he's gonna accept me. And if you have your faith in Christ, you shouldn't feel any of those things either. He calls you friend. He loves you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He just wants you to abide. He wants you to, to recognize that he's in control, that he's Lord of your life. And he wants to use you in powerful ways. I can't wait to see us abiding more in him. Not to earn our way to heaven, but to bear more fruit. To see more people one to him. To see you make disciples. It really is an exciting time during this period here at Good News Church. We believe this is the first step of the disciple-making adventure. And we're so thankful that you're here together so we can be brothers and sisters in Christ, abiding in him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, empower us to bear fruit for your glory. May the love of you, God, enfold us and the grace of you, God, uphold us and the power of you, God, set us free to serve you because, God, you could do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. To you be the glory in the church of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm.